welcome to It's In My Queue, the podcast where we talk about TV pilots. I'm Kara. And I'm Adina. And today we are talking about Game of Thrones. So, long-awaited episode, perhaps. Actually, I don't know if anyone was really waiting for this, but it's a popular show. So, uh, yet another popular show that neither Kara nor I have watched. So we thought it might be funny to uh, close out the end of the year with this classic uh, winter is coming. Well, winter has arrived. Although, wait. Winter winter is here in our apartment. (laughs) Yeah, we live in California, which is not that cold. But the thing is, the heat doesn't work in our apartment. So it is a little cold. Um, We'll get it fixed. So Game of Thrones, obviously super popular series that dominated most of the 2010s. Everyone was talking about it. It was kind of annoying, frankly, as someone who didn't watch it. And it was on my list. I was like, everyone loves this so much. Like I got to watch it, but I felt like I wanted to read the books first. And I tried reading the books. I started the first book. I got about 200 pages in and I was like, why has nothing happened other than introducing me to like 12 different characters? (laughs) So I put it down (laughs) and then I thought maybe I'll just watch the show because that's what most people are just watching the show. Not everyone's reading the books. So I sat, I went to my sister's house. My sister and her husband are mega fans of Game of Thrones. Shout out to Mira and Josh. And I watched the first episode and like my sister, I feel like was excited, like thought I was going to get into the show. And then I just didn't, (laughs) I wasn't into it and I never watched more of it. So technically I had seen this pilot before, though I didn't remember very much, but yeah. And then other than that, like I've gotten a handful, like people are always people were always talking about Game of Thrones as it was airing, like heard a lot of shit out of context, Yeah, but never, never really felt compelled to sit down and watch it. Um, What about you, Kara? I had a similar tale to yours, though I've never actually watched any of it. Um, My dad is super into it. He read all of the books and then like started Uh, watching the show after he so I think he got into it maybe a couple seasons in because he was you know he's a he's a teacher he was finishing he was going to finish the books that were available before he um started the show so I heard a lot about it from him and then of course you can't go anywhere like pop culture on the internet without seeing something about Game of Thrones. So like everything I know about Game of Thrones is completely out of context. It makes no fucking sense. And here's the thing. I actually really like fantasy, but this is not my type of fantasy. This is not for me. I don't care for medieval. Later. (laughs) Yeah, I don't care for medieval fantasy all that much. Like I like Harry Potter, which is very 90s in its own way. Um, I like the magicians. I even like Shadow and Bone. I've been reading like the Grishaverse books and I watched the Shadow and Bone TV show. I like things like that. And this is not that. So there's a very particular genre of like high fantasy, like medieval written by white men. Uh, It's like Tolkien and then everyone who's trying to write exactly like Tolkien. And that's fine for people that do like it. I'm not that into it personally. I read The Hobbit, never read the rest of Lord of the Rings. I fell asleep while watching The Lord of the Rings. So I also fell asleep watching The Lord of the Rings. My dad, my dad loves the Lord of the Rings and he made us sit through them. My mom fell asleep and every time she woke up, the hobbits were either doing something stupid or crying. So she really hated it. Movies that I've fallen asleep during. The Fellowship of the Ring, Gone Girl. (laughs) (laughs) 
anyway, this is not about that. So yes, we'll give, let's, let's talk a little about Game of Thrones. So obviously this show had a very different journey than a lot of typical pilots. It was an adaptation of a book series that was already quite popular. The A Song of Ice and Fire series written by George R.R. R. Martin was already doing pretty darn well at the time that, uh, you know, they were trying to, to adapt this into a series. And we've talked about a couple of other pilots that have been adapted from books, series, mm-hmm. Magicians and Gossip Girl. Are there any others yeah. besides that? Bridgerton. Oh yeah, Bridgerton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the, the path with an adaptation like that is always a little bit different. It's like the studio or whatever is going to like get the rights. And then sometimes, sometimes the studio will get the rights and then look for writers to match it up with, or sometimes the writers in this case, it sounds like David Benioff and DB Weiss, the, the people that are credited with creating game of Thrones, the TV show, they kind of went to George RR R. Martin and met with him and said, like, we would like you to give us writers the rights to adapt the, your books into a show. And then they kind of went to networks um, and then matched it up that way. So David Benioff and uh, D.B. Weiss, it seems like they both have, they both have experience writing novels and also writing screenplays. So honestly, makes a lot of sense for them to be people to adapt this. Yeah, it's like back in 2006, uh, David Benioff spoke with George R.R. R. Martin's agent, um, and then he read the Game of Thrones books. He read the first book like in one night, and then set up in one um, night. Maybe not one night, I don't know, maybe like two days, but like read it really fast, <laughs> couldn't put it down. Then uh, arranged a meeting, you know, him, he called up his friend D.B. Weiss because they were like already, they had been writing partners in the past. He was like, this is really cool. Maybe we could like adapt this and something. They set up a meeting with Martin at a restaurant and basically talked about it. And like Martin had already talked to a lot of screenwriters about adapting his books. Like, you know, they were not the first people to be like, we want to adapt your books, but like he didn't really yeah. trust the vision of anybody else because also- a lot of other people came to talk to George R.R. R. Martin about making his books into movies. And he was like, I don't think it's going to work as a movie. I don't think it would fit as a movie at all. That exactly, is smart Because there's just too much of it. Honestly, there's mm-hmm. way too much to put into even a series of movies. But then they said, what if we made it a TV show like on HBO where, you know, we could have the freedom to do all this violence and this like, you know, taboo content that are in the books. We wouldn't have to censor it and we could make it long and we could have a big budget. And then they were like, oh, this really could work. So then they kind of hit it off at this meeting and they agreed, you know, he gave them the rights. And then it started off the long process of developing it. So they started this process in 2007. The pilot was not officially ordered until 2008. So it was like they were talking to HBO about trying to make this deal for almost a year. They shot the pilot in 2009. So that took another year. And then they reshot 90% of the pilot because of HBO's notes. So apparently, I i mean, you and I obviously were not keen-eyed enough to spot these kinds of things because we were watching it for like the first time, second time, whatever. But apparently there are a very few scenes where like the characters have different hair because some of the stuff was sh- shot a year prior. Like the few scenes where their hair is different is because that was like the stuff from the first version where most of it got um, cut out. And so that's why they that's put in that I was scene. Confused. That's why they put in the scene of them like shaving and like cutting their oh, hair to okay. try and explain it. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And so the pilot apparently had somewhere between five and $10 million budget, which is quite large, but not mm-hmm. as big as the lost budget. No, not the at lost all. pilot. Although that was longer in fairness. It was a two. That was pilot. longer. Yeah. And that man got fired for it. $14 million <laughs> is too much to spend on a pilot. Yeah. That's, 
absurd. But anyway, so basically almost four years between development and the airing of the pilot in 2011, which is a long time, even for, you know, like pilots sometimes take a long time to develop, but like, that's a long time. That's also a long time when you've got like your kid characters, which this has a bunch of. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like between like the casting and the airing, it was maybe a little less than two years, but like, yeah. So obviously like there was a lot of money, a lot of stuff invested in this because they knew it was going to be a big deal. They knew it was going to be really popular because the books were already popular. So that's a very different case than a lot of other pilots that are just written, you know, as TV pilots and no, it's an original story and nobody knows if people are going to like it or not. Um, This was kind of just a case of like, people will want to watch this. We just have to make the execution perfect. Yeah, I feel like this that's similar to The Walking Dead, how that also already had a built-in audience with yeah. the um the comic books. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's one of those things where you're like, you know, the network's putting a lot of money into this and we're like, we just really need to not fuck this up. <laughs> mm-hmm. And for what it's worth, from what I can tell, it sounds like they did really, really well for seven seasons and then they <laughs> fucked it up. <laughs> yeah. I am. Um, it's funny because I there's a podcast I listen to called The Read, and I vividly remember when season eight of Game of Thrones was airing. I would listen to The Read on the bus, and every week they would discuss Game of Thrones after they'd watched it on Sunday. And it was so funny to hear them talk about it out of context and like all of the stuff that was happening. I was like, "What's going on?" And then I'd of course I'd get to work, and other people had been watching Game of Thrones, and they were angry also I'd like to preface this I worked at a theater so like it was a lot of a lot of vitriol about the way the show ended yeah so anyway the the production of this show was huge budget they filmed it across like a like a dozen countries a lot of it happened in Ireland uh the UK Canada Croatia but they also had tons of other scenes that were in other countries like I didn't I didn't even bother to list all of them because it was so many and like often they would the way they would be shooting it is they would have multiple teams filming in different places at once just to try and get it all done so they had an absurd number of staff employed on this show um I mm-hmm. found this tidbit on wikipedia this is just from at some point in season 3 so maybe at other points they even had more than this but At some point in season three, they had three different units that were filming at the same time, six directing teams in total, 257 cast members, and 703 crew members. That's fucking insane. So this is why when I was in London, I would play the game when I went to see plays who in their bios had credits on Game of Thrones. Yeah. So they really, they put a lot into this. They put a lot of resources. Although funny, on the other side, on the writing side, very, very few people were employed. Across mm-hmm. the first six seasons of the show, only seven credited writers because David Benioff and D.B. Weiss wrote the vast majority of it themselves. They would mm-hmm. read the scripts together and apparently they would like literally chop the script in half and be like, you write the first half, I'll write the second half. And then they would give each other notes, which is weird to me, but like if it worked for them. If it works for them. Yeah. They did have a couple other writers come on and write like one episode per season, but like they were writing the vast majority themselves. George R.R. Martin uh, wrote one episode per season in the first four seasons. Then he kind of backed off because I think he had to go finish the books and he still hasn't (laughs) finished them, right? (laughs) No, they're still going. Um, uh, But he would still like, you know, read their outlines and like give some feedback and stuff like he was involved. But yeah, so it's a very small writing team, very much control with the creators for the most part, but huge production budget and a huge ensemble cast. Um, I think- it's one of the biggest, if not the biggest ever, ensemble casts on TV. Also, 
um, I mean, you know, everyone knows this show is popular, but it has uh, among dozens, maybe hundreds of awards that it has. It has um, the record for the most primetime Emmys won by a drama show. It won 59 primetime Emmys across its run. Wow. It's because of That's all the wild. fucking all the fucking the, uh, creative arts categories. They yeah. would win the mm-hmm. fuck. They would win the the costumes, the makeup, the prosthetics, all of that every year while they were running. Also, it yeah. won um, best drama series like three times, That's quite a few times because yeah, they had times. to wait. Oh, they had to wait ages for all those people to get up to the stage. Yeah. I do remember this. Yeah, so very very successful. You know, regardless of how people feel about the ending, which I don't know what happened. I just know people were really upset. Um, I know a few things, um, but it doesn't make any sense to me because I haven't watched it. So yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the background of this show. So now we'll go in and we'll discuss it. I'm thinking for this episode, maybe we'll do a little something different. And instead of, you know, kind of scene by scene, we'll maybe kind of go through the different characters and different situations and how it all comes together. So setting wise, this is set in Westeros is the, the fantasy land that we're in. Oh, sorry. This, I should say the pilot episode, it's called Winter is Coming is the title of episode Mm -hmm. one and it was directed by tim van patten and it was written by david benioff and db weiss and it aired on april 17th 2011 so the pilot begins by it kind of gives us a little intro to the world we see you know these these guardsmen coming out of this gigantic wall and it's very snowy and it's winter um and they're going out into this wilderness and then they find a bunch of corpses and then these creepy white creatures which we deduced are white walkers because we've yes. heard that term before. That when their eyes glowed blue, I was like, are these white walkers? <laughs> they looked a little zombie-like at first. And I was like, I did not sign on for another zombie show. They, <laughs> they seem different. We looked it up. Apparently they're like magical creatures that are just look like humans, but they're not zombies. But anyway, these people get like fucking killed by the white walkers, but one of the guys gets away. So it like sets up this idea of like this land is there's this harsh wilderness and the people have to patrol it. Um, and that's just the teaser. But so the other thing about the setting, which they didn't, they didn't really go into in this pilot, but I remember from reading the books is like, this is a world where like, they have like summer and then winter that lasts like 10 years. Right. See, here's, here's the thing I, in my brain, when they kept saying winter is coming, I was like, so is this like Narnia with like an everlasting winter? I don't think it's everlasting. I think it's like seven to 10 years, if I remember correctly. Oh, oh, that like they have terrible. They have these long seasons that, and then it just cycles. So it's like, oh, like it actually means something like, oh, winter's coming. Like they knew it was coming in the next few years, but now it's like, it's mm. coming now. <laughs> wow. Can you imagine like seasonal depression for seven to 10 years? So we've got these people, Winterfell, the city that's on like the North border and they've got this wall. So that, is that, does winter come there first? Is that why it's called that? I mean, it certainly seemed to be wintry there. Like it was snowy yeah. there and it wasn't snowy in King's Landing. Yeah, that's true. And it seems like they're kind of like the guard, they're kind of like the outposts, like the edge of the kingdom, whatever. And they kind of hold guard. They have this wall and they hold out all of these bad things that are, that are north of the wall. Cause they talk about white walkers that are out there. And then they also are like dire wolves are never south of the wall, except for they find some dire wolves south of the wall. So <laughs> it's like this whole nation of this notion that they're like an outpost, not an outpost exactly, but like they're kind of the last major city that's holding things out. They've got this night's watch that those guys that were patrolling 
and they find these corpses that are like arranged in a very strange symbol on the ground yeah Spooky. I didn't like that yeah um and then something appears presumably a white walker and kills them kills two of the guys mm-hmm. and then one of them makes it back and so one of the guys makes it back after the teaser and then we meet our kind of main guy in Winterfell Ned Stark who we've heard of Ned Stark that's someone we've yeah. heard of he mm-hmm. seems like our kind of classic patriarch leader good man who runs a tough tough ship and the first thing that he has to do basically is he has to come execute this guy that came back from the night's watch because he deserted his his watch yeah and he swore an oath apparently yeah it's like a big deal to be on this night's watch you have to leave your family and like swear an oath that you're never gonna run or whatever and this man is like i saw white walkers so that to me seems like kind of important news and like maybe you could give the guy a break I mean, he told them and they were like, LOL, yeah. And then cut his they were head like, off. there are no White Walkers. <laughs> Goodbye, sir. And then they chop his head off. They're um, like, you sound crazy. Yeah. To die now. Maybe I would have like, listened. listened. I would have asked a couple of follow up questions at least. Yeah. <laughs> they just, they were just like, mm-hmm. so anyway, Ned has to kill this guy because that's the law of their land. And he's honorable about it. He says his little, like, by the something of Baratheon, I, I honorly, blah, 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 chop your head off. That's the thing that's confusing to me. It's like they have their last names, but then who is the house of Baratheon or whatever the fuck? I think like, it's just another what house. Was that? I don't remember. Okay, well, I don't think we met any Baratheons and I was confused. There are um, Baratheons, I think, but we didn't meet any yet. We didn't meet them? Okay. There's so many people that it's hard to connect them, which is like, yeah, and some of them, all the men look the same. They really do. That's the thing that was getting me. They really do. But anyway, key points in this, in this scene at Ned's with a couple of his sons, uh, he's got his youngest son or younger son, Bran, Bran Stark, Mm -hmm. who's only 10 years old for Brandon. Yeah. And he's like this little boy. And before Ned had taken him, his wife, Kat, Caitlin, Caitlin, right? Is that her full mm-hmm. name? Um, so? Was like, are you sure you should take our 10-year-old son to watch this execution? And Ned was like, he's going to have to see it. You know, he's going to have to see this stuff someday. But then after he does it, or before the execution, Jon Snow, Jon Snow, the other other son, but he is a bastard son. This is something I knew before watching the series. We yeah. all know Jon Snow is a bastard. He tells Bran, don't look away because father will know. And so Bran doesn't. And then afterwards, Ned takes a moment with Bran and he's like, do you understand why I had to do that? Why I had to kill this guy? And Bran's like, it's the law. (laughs) (laughs) But Ned's like, the man who delivers the sentence should swing the sword or something like that, which is honorable in a weird way. I mean, you still could have like not killed him, but you know, I, you know, appreciate doing it. You could have had someone else do it. Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of our introduction to like the ethos of the House of Stark. Like tough decisions, they're not gonna go soft on you, but they're like honorable, I guess. Maybe some other notable things to mention is we also meet his two daughters, mm-hmm. Arya and Sansa. Sansa they're yeah. like doing cross stitch and like Arya did not seem into it. Yeah, your classic tomboy. Like <laughs> this is stupid. Um, but Sansa was being praised for hers. So that was another little intro to some of the children. 
And also the small child might've been there for a second. We had to look this yeah. up because they said Ned Stark has five children. And we were like, where are the other two? And it turns <laughs> out one of them was Rob Stark. And they just, he was there the whole time. We just didn't really recognize him because they didn't make a big deal out of him. And the other one was maybe the very little boy. But yeah, so that's that's our Stark family. And then there's also Theon who's kind of there and is apparently also, we had to look this up that he's like yeah. a foster son to Ned or something. And he's yeah, just I didn't kind get of there. there. <laughs> I like knew his name, but I was like, how is he related to them? Yeah. So any of the, those are, those are like the boys, the boys of Winterfell, um, mm-hmm. the men's. And then they're also, Good. then they're kind of like riding and they're going on a little patrol and they find this dead dire. See, I think it was a dire wolf, but I got confused because there was also it an looked antler like a deer. on it. I thought it was a deer at first, but then they were like, oh, this is like the mother of the dire wolf pups. Maybe it just comes from a deer and it's weird. I don't understand this Maybe world. Maybe like it, it got fanta- an antler stuck in it. I don't know. It's not fucking important. Anyway, there's this dead wolf thing. And then there's these wolf puppies. There's five of them. And Jon Snow's like, oh, five wolf pups. And it's the sigil of House Stark. So give it to your five children, Ned. And then so he's like, fine, whatever. The kids can have these wolf babies if they take they care of them so themselves. so cute. They were cute. I feel like they're not going to be cute for long. But then after, as they're going, they find a little sixth wolf pup and it's an albino and it's the runt of the litter. And they're like, oh, that can be you, John, because he's like the sixth child of Ned Stark and he's a bastard. So he's, you know, kind of the odd one out. And so he takes it. And I I, I know enough to know that Jon Snow and his little wolf are going to be, they're going to form yeah. a nice bond, which mm-hmm. I like. I also that. know this. Very so, cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of our vibe, our vibe with the Starks. Meanwhile, we also have the Lannisters. The Lannisters live at King's Landing, which is the capital. They are mourning the death. Well, maybe not mourning. They're observing the death of somebody, <laughs> John Aaron. And they say he died of a sickness. And he was a position known as the King's Hand. So kind of sounds like, you know, the right hand man of the king who maybe does a lot of the dirty work for the king. And he is now passed away. And so we have this, their brother and sister, Cersei and Jamie, beautiful blonde people, like, ha ha ha, we can tell their royalty. And Cersei is the queen. In this first scene, it didn't seem very obvious to me that she was a queen. I had to piece it together from the dialogue. I like knew she was the queen. And I, because of what I already knew about the show, my brain was like, oh, so Jamie's the king. And then uh, I learned he wasn't the king. And I was like, oh, he's not the king. But I think he wants to be questionable. We'll we'll he wants to be something. Yeah, he well, he doesn't want to be the king's hand because you know this yeah. guy John Aaron is dead. And then Cersei is like, oh, you could be the king's hand. And Jamie's like, I don't want to do that. Their days are too long and their lives are too short. So it sounds like it's kind of a shit job. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's kind of where we first meet them. But then they and the king, who was his name, Robert. Yes, they call him Robert. Okay. So. so the king, who was Cersei's husband, they all journey down or journey up, I guess, to Winterfell. That's kind of the main thing of this episode. The king is coming to Winterfell and Ned hears that he's coming and he's like, oh, I know why he's coming. He's going to ask me to be the king's hand because he's. they've heard that John Aaron died. So Ned's like, this is the only thing that he could want. So it's kind of a big deal. Winterfell is getting ready. They're getting prepared to receive the king and queen and this whole... um this whole procession so they're getting everything ready i love how his ned's wife was like you can always say no ned i was like you're gonna say no to the king i mean 
wild so yeah they get all ready and then the king's huge procession comes up it's a big deal all the kids are excited because like they've some of the younger ones they've like heard about the king but never met the king because he hasn't been up there for nine years so I guess they were probably a little babies, the younger ones, the last time the king was there. So yeah, it's a it's a big deal. And then we finally meet the king and he greets all of them. Um, and Kara and I both, we look at this guy and we're like, we don't recognize this man, this <laughs> king, which means he must die very soon. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I suppose that's what the show is about. It's about who's going to get the throne. Mm-hmm. So it must be the king dies and then they're fighting over who gets the throne. Yeah. Right. Presumably, I assume so. But it didn't happen in the pilot yet. So No. I was uh, shocked with the way the pilot ended. Yeah, I kind of thought maybe the king would die. So uh, the king kind of, you know, finds an excuse to talk to Ned. They, like, walk through these, like, catacombs together. And we find out they have, like, a close personal history. Like, they've, like, fought together. They were very close, like, brothers. The king was in love with Ned's sister, I believe. And he's like, we would have been blood if your sister hadn't died. And basically he really wants Ned to come be the king's hand. And Ned's like, I don't know about that. And the king's like, you should do this. And then also your daughter can marry my son. And then we can be bonded in blood again. And then you'll be the most powerful family after us. And in my head, I'm like, are they not already? Like who else is more powerful? We haven't met anybody else who's more powerful than them. So (laughs) That's why as a viewer, it was a little confusing. I was like, what does he really have to gain from this? Yeah, Um, I feel like his position in the North seems fine. It seems pretty important already. I would not take this job, especially considering the the way the last one died. Yeah. Which they don't Um, know yet, but. Yeah, so they don't know yet, but Ned's like, I don't know. And the King's like, you better. And also they go see the little like grave of, Ned's sister slash Robert's former lover and he's really sad and he said something about the people that killed her and then they drove them out of the country so then that kind of pieces together with our kind of third major house that we meet in the pilot which is the Targaryens Targaryen 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 okay I don't know how to say these fucking names we meet the Targaryens of which there really seem to be only two of them left but there's Viserys, the brother. Where did it go? Yeah, he's weird. I did not. Yeah, like I didn't him. like him. And then Daenerys, the sister. We've heard of her, obviously. Yes. Um, I had heard that you know there was a lot of her boobs on the show, and it was kind of exploitative. I had heard that. Still seeing them in the pilot, I was a little shocked. Yeah, I don't know why. Well, I was mostly also shocked. Like her brother was like fondling, like strips her naked, like examines her body, and then is like fondling her breasts. And he said some really creepy yeah. shit. Wait, let me see. And at first we were like, said. so we watched this one together, and yeah. we were like, is this this isn't her brother? Is it? Oh yeah, like, he starts he off doing all that as he's stripping off her dress. He begins by saying, "You have a woman's body now," <laughs> which. It was horrifying, prompted us to pause and look up how old is Daenerys supposed to be. In the yes. books, she's 13, Yikes. but in the show, she's ambiguously aged up to perhaps 17. That's still not great. <laughs> I don't no. care for it. And I, I understand that Amelia Clark, is that the actor who plays yeah. her? She must have been at least 18 as of filming this, yeah, otherwise it would like, be child pornography. But I, think, do- I feel like she's in her 30s now. So maybe she was like 20 as of the time of filming this but it begs a question of like what's the ethics of like an actor who is an adult 
but playing yeah. a character that's a child and you're depicting them nude. I don't know. That's why, that's why yeah, I, I have questions about this. Yeah. She's 35 now. Okay. So if we, so I guess she was 25 or yeah. when they filmed it, she was probably like 23. Yeah. But it's still really creepy. Yeah. It was, I didn't like any of these scenes with yeah. the Targaryens. And I, I understand it was supposed to make us uncomfortable, but I still questioned the value of depicting it. As yeah. It was here's depicted. the thing. I, we can get into it more when we meet the Dothraki, but like, yeah. If this had just been a show about the Starks, I feel like I actually would have been slightly more interested in watching yeah. the rest. It got it got weird. So basically the the situation of the Targaryens seems to be they were driven out of the country many years ago because I guess one of them killed Ned's sister. That's as much as we kind of got in this episode, but they were like driven out. They used to be very powerful. They've been driven out. And Viserys, whatever the brother's name, wants to restore their family's power. And the way that he has had an idea to do this is by having his teenage sister married off to Khal Drogo, who is the leader of the Dothraki people, who are known for being very, very strong warriors. So basically, he wants to sell his sister into, you know, being a bride and a concubine to this guy so that he can hopefully have influence over the army and then basically come back into Westeros with this army and like fuck shit up. Doesn't seem like a great plan to me because my question is, does Viserys really think he'll be able to exert control over Khal Drogo? That guy seems really strong and really serious. Yeah. Um, and Viserys seemed like a skinny little white man. Yeah. Um, well, I think in his head, he's like, oh, I'm so clever. I'm going to manipulate these savages. But in reality, I'm like, dude, like, they, they, will, they kill will kill you. you. And they must kill him soon, right? Yeah, I feel because like I haven't I, heard a lot about him either. He was- I've seen gifts of him on Tumblr, but not until like, like this year. So I didn't even know he existed. I didn't know Daenerys had a brother. Yeah. Yeah. And he says something like, he says something incredibly vile. She's like, she's like, I do not wish to be married to him. And she says it very politely. And then he says something like, I would let him and all of his thousands of troops fuck you if it meant we could get yeah, our family's gross. power he back. He also was like, I need you to be perfect today. It was very weird. And she's like naked. Yeah. And I was like, why are you here? It was really unpleasant to watch, frankly. I didn't like uh, it. Another one of those things where I'm like, I understand this is HBO and you're allowed to depict this, but I don't know. Why? Did you I have don't to? Need to look at this? Yeah, I don't. I feel like we could have had the same scene with her having her clothes on. Yeah. It still would have been vile. But, it still would have been vile. And, but it would have gotten the point across still. And I guess, I guess we can talk about the wedding now. So like this wedding is happening against Daenerys as well. It doesn't really matter what she thinks. The Dothraki show up and they speak their own language, a different language. So we don't get any meaningful dialogue from any of them, first of all. Second of all, they are the only people of color on this show thus far. And they are... Uh, depicted in their clothing style is what I would say a mishmash of kind of fantasy exotic clothing as in a lot of them are only half clothed they've got like tattoos slash war paint on literally every little factoid like Viserys and like their other advisor guy keeps supplying these little factoids about the Dothraki people which are basically just about like how 
crazy and savage they are. It's like, oh, like they they only cut their hair when they're defeated in battle because it's a shame. And look how long his hair is. And it's like, is it true they lay with their horses? And a wedding with with less than three deaths is a very dull affair. They really are hitting on every possible like racist trope. <laughs> this is this is where I said I cannot continue this show yeah. because honestly, they almost got me. But here's the thing. In terms of like fantasy with just white people, and if there are just gonna be white people, that's fine with me. I'll watch it. Like, it's like, I think it's dumb. But like, when these are the only people of color in the episode, there weren't even background extras yeah. that were people of color in like the Winterfell scenes. Yeah. So, this compared to that, I was like, yeah. absolutely not. I can't do it. I can't yeah. sit through eight seasons of this. It was, it was, it was questionable. It wasn't great. You know, literally the wedding was like a huge scene of these crowds of all these Dothraki people, like mostly half naked. Some of them were fucking each other out in the open. Others were killing each other out in the open. And I'm like, be less subtle with your racism, George R. Yeah, R. And uh, like- I was like, <laughs> yeah, I like wasn't. I could, yeah, I couldn't do this. I was like, mm, this it, is what it made wasn't me no just doubt. nudging the tropes. It was like full on slamming those tropes down your throat. Like, Absolutely not. I can't do it. Um, and they set this up basically just to show us how horrid it is that Daenerys is going to be married to one of these people, which it would have been horrid already because she's already being sold into sex slavery. Basically, you didn't yeah. have to like go and make it seem like these foreign people are extra terrible to make it bad. <laughs> Yeah, it, I didn't like this. Oh, a white man did show up to this party that I don't understand why he was there. Yeah, and then and then she's like, "Oh, are you of my country?" <laughs> because he's the only <laughs> white person there. Um, <laughs> and note that he gives her books. Everyone else is giving her like these exotic, crazy, like animal things, and this white man brings books. <laughs> it's like, wow. Okay, then. Um, and then also they give her some dragon eggs and like we know she's like the queen of dragons and shit whatever yeah. later so she's probably gonna hatch these dragon eggs okay um, and also Khal Drogo gives her a horse this beautiful white horse and she actually seems to really appreciate this gift a little bit and she, a nice asks, horse. she asks how can I say thank you in Dothraki and they say there's no word for thank you in Dothraki which I find hard to believe I, I can believe that they don't say thank you very often, yeah. but there in must the entire, be some way to in say the it. entire history of a people, every language on earth has come up with some kind of word that means that. But you're telling me these people are just so uncivilized. They've never made a word for thank you. Terrible. That's fucked. That's fucked. And then it caps off with a scene of, you know, consummating the, the wedding, shall we say. It's just called Drogo and Daenerys on a little cliff and it's sunset and she's just standing there crying and she tries to talk to him like do you speak the language he says no do you know any words other than no no so there's no way to to really have a conversation here but it's Ooh. clear what's going to happen anyway he just slowly takes off her clothes and she is standing there crying this is a rape scene i didn't pilot. this was not good um not good at and like all. i knew this i knew this was a thing in the show but i was still as i was watching it i was like oh my god is this necessary this show yeah it was rough also is it necessary to show her boobs in this scene you could have done the same scene and just cut it you know neck up. yeah you could have even shown him like taken off the straps but just cut the shot from neck up this is we shouldn't let some men do things i think yeah anyway. this is not 
good. Yeah, I'd heard all these things about Daenerys' story and like her boobs and there's rape and whatever, blah, 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 blah. But still seeing it, I was like, oh my God. Yeah, this is nice. And that's how we leave her story in the pilot. And then we kind of come back to, to Winterfell. The king really wants Ned to go up north he doesn't really want to he's talking to his his wife about it she also doesn't want him to go but they're like but Sansa wants him to yes Sansa wants him to go because she knows that if he goes she will get to be married to the king's son uh and she will get to be queen someday and so she talks to her mom she's like please convince father to go it's the only (laughs) thing I've ever wanted and I'm like girl I doubt that. She's 13. I don't know. And she's like, Oh yeah. Also the, the queen Cersei asks Sansa some also very weird questions. She's like, how old are you? And Sansa's like, I'm 13. She goes, have you bled yet? Second question she ever asks this girl. Well, like, I mean, if you're going to marry her off to your child, I know, but if they're going to be married, they have time. It's not like they have to have a baby. They could wait until whenever she bleeds. I don't, I don't. It's not like they're going to get divorced. God. Okay. So that's crazy. Also, the one other character I hadn't mentioned yet is uh, Tyrion Lannister. Tyrion Lannister, who I had heard much about, um, mm-hmm. knowing that he is played by Peter Dinklage. And he is the brother of Jamie and Cersei. And he, <laughs> our first meeting with him is uh, him and a prostitute. And he's in the you know middle of you know some foreplay with this prostitute, and she's like, "Oh, I thought the queen only had one brother." And he's like, "Oh, there are two brothers: the pretty one and, and the clever one." And then they have this whole little banter. She's like, "Oh, I hear that he's called the imp." And then Tyrion's like, "I hear that he hates that name." So we get a little, you know, this is kind of where he's at. And then it was—I actually did enjoy this scene a lot. Jamie yeah. bursts in on Tyrion <laughs> with this prostitute, and he's like there's a feast later you need to come to the feast you can't leave me alone with these people and Tyrion's like I don't think I want to go I have a lot of women to fuck right here and then <laughs> Jamie is just like he just calls in like three more women to the room and sends them all to do their thing with Tyrion and he's like this way you can finish by sunset <laughs> yeah, that was, was fun it was pretty funny so yeah Tyrion then the other important scene we get with Tyrion uh, a little bit later during the feast is Jon Snow is hanging out outside of this feast because he is like it's kind of his relationship with the Starks is weird because like he goes out with them on like these like hunting missions and stuff so like he's not totally shunned but also he seems like he doesn't seem welcome in this feast really yeah he um, wasn't allowed because he's a bastard and then so Tyrion kind of encounters him outside and they both have this little scene where they like call each other out like oh you're the imp oh you're the bastard child and then Tyrion kind of gives Jon some advice he's like don't try and hide that you're a bastard because no one will forget it you should just wear it like armor and then Jon's like what do you know about being a bastard (laughs) and Tyrion says and then he says all dwarves are bastards in their father's eyes which like Mm -hmm. You know, John, you you should have been able to put that together in your head. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, don't ask. So they both have slight kind of outsider status and they bond over that. And then we get Uncle Benjen. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uncle Benjen appears. So he like talked to John briefly. Oh, yeah. John, John, Uncle Benjen is part of the Night's Watch, those people that patrol outside of the wall. And it sounds like they mostly die. And John wants to join them. John wants to join them. And he's like, Uncle Benjen, please let me come with you. And Benjen is like, no, you wouldn't like it. You have to swear this oath and then leave your family forever. And John's like, I don't mind because he already is an outsider. 
Yeah. Um, but Ben Chen's like, no. <laughs> and then he goes to talk to Ned. And basically Ned's like, Ned asks him about the kid he executed earlier. It's like, did you know that kid? And Ben Chen's like, yeah, he was, he was a good guy mostly. And Ned's like, he was, he was a madman. He was saying about White Walkers. And Ben Chen's like, I mean, he doesn't confirm it because he doesn't know it's true, but he's, he basically just says like the other two people that he was with disappeared. Yeah. Cause the walkers killed them. If I was Ned, I would start considering that a little bit more, but he didn't really. And I was like, he sir. Really. And then, yeah, I'm trying to remember what else happened. Like the, basically the King just kind of decides that Ned is coming with him. It doesn't seem like Ned really agreed to it, but the king just yeah, kind of which is like, why it yep. was so funny to me when his wife was like, "You can always say no." I was like, "No, you can't." Yeah, but that's the, the king. The kind of big problem is that night when Caitlin and Ned are in their bed, they get a messenger coming in at night. He's like, "It's a raven um, for you from your sister." So Caitlin takes it. It's from her sister, and she's like, first of all, why is she at the Erie, which is like a place that she doesn't live?" Apparently, she had left there to live in the capital but she sent this message that says john aaron the guy that died the king's hand they said he died of a fever but she says john aaron was murdered and they're like oh my god that's a big accusation then they're like why would she lie about this because if they if anyone caught her lying about this she could be executed and killed so she's Mm -hmm. probably serious uh, and then Caitlin's like, maybe you shouldn't take this job then if they've just killed somebody who took it. And somehow they think like the Lannisters are conspiring to get the throne, which is weird to me because Cersei is already the queen. So yeah. I'm like, don't they kind of already have the throne? But I guess being king is a lot more important than being Yeah, queen. I don't think that she has much power really. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so that's the rumor. They're like, oh my God, apparently the, maybe the Lannisters killed John Aaron. Maybe. They probably um, did. Yeah. Uh, so that's a bomb. And then our very, very last scene maybe gives a slight explanation as to why we see Bran climbing up the castle. Like he was climbing up there before and his mom was like, don't climb. And here he is climbing again. And he's just climbing around for fun and then he pokes his head in a little window and then he sees jamie fucking cersei in this random sister see here's the thing that was like one of the things i knew of the show so i was just waiting for the bomb to drop i was like when do we learn i knew it was a thing but i thought maybe it wasn't until later seasons or it wasn't revealed until later i was not expecting it right here I knew, it, I knew we found out pretty early. I just had no idea when. So I was like, ah, there it is. Yeah. And so this kid is like looking at it, trying to make sense of it. And then they see the kid in the window. And then Jamie comes over and grabs him. And it's like holding him in the window and like questioning him a little bit. And at first you're like, oh my God, is he going to push the kid out the window? And then he kind of lets go for a second. So you're like, okay, he's not going to push the kid out of the window. And then he pushes the kid out of the window. It's like, <laughs> we know Bran the lives. end of the pilot. That's the end of the pilot. Yeah. And so, yeah, mm-hmm. we happen to know that this kid doesn't die because, you know, we've seen that he's on the show later. But what a fucking way to end your pilot with a kid being it's like, oh, my God, that is definitely not how I expected it to end at all. <laughs> yeah. So this pilot, I have to say, just comparing it to what little I experienced of the book, I would say I enjoy this a lot better because we got to know it was a lot of introductions but we did get to know who everyone is and we also got to see some stuff happen also so unlike we were talking Kara and I were talking as we were watching it that it was a little like the walking dead in some ways a lot of setup but 
also stuff happened. So we, yeah, we see, liked it better in that regard. Yes, for sure. I think that the reason that the walking dead pilot bothered me so much is that in my brain, I knew that was an ensemble show, but we didn't meet the ensemble, yeah. but in this we did we met and, a, quite a big chunk of the uh, people that I've heard of. Pilot. And I think that the thing that this does well is even though we met a lot of people, it wasn't super hard to follow. They did a pretty decent job of yeah. I will say the, the first info. time I watched it, I had a lot more trouble following it. And I think this time, because I technically had seen it once before and because we were watching it together, that's how I was able to follow it. But like the people I all look the same. Sometimes. They do. I think the thing is, just because I've been on the internet for as long as I have, like as the show was airing, I like knew who everyone was pretty immediately like I didn't know Rob Stark's name and I kept calling him Richard Madden until (laughs) someone finally said Rob but like I pretty much knew everyone by face so I think that that was kind of helpful because just because of pop culture that this is like something you can't escape I feel like everyone knows a little bit about Game of Thrones even if they Mm -hmm. think they don't so they did they did have to spend a time a lot of time doing introductions although I think it was wise that they spent that time And I think an advantage that a show has over books is like now they've kind of gotten that shit out of the way in episode one and you can keep watching and now you know what's going on in the book. Like I said, I put it down because I had read like 200 pages and just learned a bunch of people's names and where they were from. And I was like, oh my God, I can't do this. But yeah, it was much more pleasant to get that just done in an hour of watching. So yeah, strengths, I guess like you know obviously like everything is really you can tell the budget's big like all the medieval mm-hmm. shit looks really cool beautiful they didn't shots, spend beautiful any of the budget on lighting unfortunately yeah yeah we were watching this on our big tv in like a well-lit apartment and it was hard it to was see. so dark so I was like i could never watch this on my computer screen that would not mm-hmm. work story-wise i think this is good because obviously they were adapting it from books. So like the plot points already existed. It's not like they had to pick the plot points, but they did, they had, they made it into a good arc for a pilot. We have this inciting incident. I guess there's two inciting incidents, really. There's the White Walkers, which didn't fully get played out, but I guess that's that's probably going to be an inciting incident for a longer thing. But the inciting incident of like this main plot was kind of John Aaron is dead. Yes. We have this question of who's going to become the king's hand. And then also the question of who killed him? How did he die? We have, I guess, questions about what each of Ned Stark's kids is going to do. We got a little tidbit about each of the kids a little bit. And we have some major plot twists already in the pilot that make us want to keep watching. The revelation Mm -hmm. that John Aaron was murdered, that Jamie and Cersei are having their incestuous relationship and also that last beat of seeing a child thrown out the window. (laughs) Poor Bran. Yeah, it's interesting. And I think it's good to frame Ned as the protagonist in this, which is what I felt like he was our main guy throughout much of it. Presented with the dilemmas. He's the one that has the choices to make. Will he be the king's hand or not is one of them. Mm -hmm. And then what's he going to do about this guy that says there are white walkers when that sounds crazy but if it's true then it's a big problem yeah the dilemmas he has yeah and I guess again I just like world-wise I'm like it seems like he already has a very important and powerful position by being in charge of Winterfell yeah I would even want to go 
I mean, here's the thing. I think that if anyone was going to say no to the king, it could be this dude because it seems like he really likes him. They're like brothers. So, but also, when do you think this king is going to die? Because he can't, this pretty soon, probably pretty soon. But I don't know. You know that Ned dies, right? Yeah, everyone knows that. Yeah. So I was like, like, when later on? I thought he died pretty soon. I think it's a couple seasons in. No, I think he dies pretty early. I don't fucking know. Because I thought that that was the whole thing. Some what My professor was talking about this, we, like when we did fantasy, like for school class saying that um, sometimes to like let you let a, sh- a show will let you know that they know holds are barred when they present oh, yeah. someone as your main character and then kill them pretty immediately, which is kind of what they did with this. Yeah. I just don't know when he dies. And what they were, it's interesting- I mean, I guess in this case, they kind of, if it happens in the books, it's going to happen in the show. But I'm just thinking of a lot of other TV shows that plan things like that don't end up going through with them. Like, I feel like though, they could get a Breaking Bad plan to kill Jesse and then didn't because he yeah. was too good of an actor and Lost planned to kill Jack and then didn't because the network was like, it will be helpful for the audience to have this main character. Also, I think that... Um with this type of show. I mean, Lost is similar with the big ensemble, but I think it's good that they didn't kill but Jack, this sh- The difference between but this, this show- and Lost is this show had, at least for the first several seasons, had a plan to follow. Yeah, Lost that's true. did not and have any fucking that- plan, so they needed a person to guide it. Yeah, I also think that um, just the the people that they cast and that sort of thing, I like- I feel as though there were enough other people that killing the person that is kind of de facto your lead works out anyway, because there's so many other people you can follow and pay attention to. So it makes sense that like, even if he was going to die anyway, if you knew the books, but like, I'm sure some people were shocked. So yeah, as we were saying, like, honestly, I liked this a little more than I thought I would coming in. I was like, I'm going to roast this so much. Like I'm going to hate this. I liked it more than I thought I would. I think it seems to me that they've done a very good job of taking this like high fantasy, very dense book series that like diehard fantasy people like, but it's not really like every single person wants to read the books. And they turned it into a TV show that had a very broad appeal. Like a Mm -hmm. lot of people watched and loved this show, even people that don't necessarily want to sit down and read 400 page books. So that's a success. You know, that's a successful TV adaptation. Would we keep watching me probably there's two reasons that I'm not going to keep watching number one is that as I said I'm not super into the high fantasy thing myself and also you know the racism and sexism and the like kind of making the rape a little bit sexy kind of thing and the Dothraki people being like every bad trope in the book that stuff is a little bit of a turnoff but also secondarily since we are in 2021 and we know that people hated the final season that (laughs) is not a great incentive to watch the whole thing and like I know people are gonna say oh but the other seasons are so good you should still just watch like the first seven seasons or whatever I'm like but just knowing just coming into it knowing that it's going to have a disappointing ending it just is a turnoff it's like why would I bother there are there's just so many other shows to watch yeah might not have disappointing endings yeah that's why I can't recommend this is on a different level of story but that's why I can't recommend the hundred to anyone Mm -hmm. because I was like this last season was so bad 
that it's yeah. like, why would I tell you to watch it? Really? It's like, and some people, if I've, I have told people before, just watch until season six. And then they were mm-hmm. like, but I'd want to see the rest. And then I was like, oh, well then don't watch it at all. So that's how I feel. That's how kind of how I feel with this. Like I said before, this show almost got me. And I think that had we not had the stuff with the Dothraki, I would have wanted to keep yeah. going. It like until like- they showed up. And I was like, this is too, I I can't deal with this racism. It seems like much like Grey's Anatomy, this is a show that is well executed and well Mm -hmm. made of just something that we are not interested in, which is okay. Although unlike Grey's Anatomy, the issues with this are perhaps bigger. With Grey's Anatomy, it's just that we don't like medicine. Uh, But, (laughs) you know, maybe some things in, in, in 2021 that we don't need to write like this anymore yeah I think that I can suspend my disbelief about fantasy with just white people when there are only just white people but the way that they brought in the people of color in this really rubbed me the wrong way so they specifically include them to be other and it's just showing you what George R.R. Martin thinks of people of color you know like yeah I didn't like it um so I can't and I can't suspend my disbelief enough in order to continue that so it's a no for me but I thought this was a well done episode verdict on game of thrones won us over more than we expected I was surprised honestly you know I really wonder who's gonna win that game uh that throne can I just say does not look comfortable (laughs) no no (laughs) it looks like the least comfortable throne it's literally a throne made of swords (laughs) it's like yeah no um yeah uh I just think about that episode of Parks and Rec where Ben got to sit on an iron throne and he was so excited yeah um that was funny yeah no I'm pretty sure I know who gets it um just on the internet um no idea yeah I don't know how we get there but I know who gets it I know someone who maybe gets it briefly but not at the end that's our impression of game of thrones from two people that have somehow avoided most of it up through 2021 so yeah yeah, takeaways it's really cool what you can do when you're given a huge budget and free reign to adapt a popular series to be a white man maybe let's start giving some of those big budget shows to some people who aren't white men this doesn't mean white men are banned from writing television it just means let's also give some budgets to some other yeah for real please (laughs) that's the more i came up with a show idea recently that my brain was like this is so fucking expensive like who would let allow me to make this hbo cough up yeah HBO I'm coming for you at some point yeah give me money so what a way what a way to begin our own winter it's actually really cold in here like I'm sniffling because it's so cold in here it's not warm guys (laughs) when they say that it gets cold at night in California they do mean it Um, yeah I thought people were full of shit frankly no it's cold it does get a little cold here not truly cold not true winter but, but it's cold enough that cold enough that like I'm very cold when I go to bed. Thanks for listening. We want to hear from you now. If you have any thoughts about the Game of Thrones pilot you'd like to share with us or suggestions for shows we should watch, 
you can email us at itsinmyqpod at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to our newsletter for fun tidbits like if you want to know what the succession characters' love languages are or which shows included COVID well and which ones did really badly with it. You can find our newsletter at itsinmyq.substack.com. And if you liked what you heard, please rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends to listen. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at InMyQPod or on our personal Twitters. I am at Adina Terrific. And I'm at Kara underscore Powell. Thanks for listening throughout 2021. We're going to be taking a short break for the winter, but be on the lookout in the new year for more regular episodes and bonus content. Happy New Year, and we hope we've helped you clear out your queue.